everyone, and welcome. I'm Jennifer, and you are listening to the Ego Next Door podcast. Today, I will continue to share my personal story, which will most likely give you even more reasons to never underestimate the power of narcissism. When you are educated to become someone's number one fan, it is pretty much impossible to imagine a reality where they will deceive you. People say that it's not the idol's fault that you, as a fan, have felt deceived. But what if the idol is your mother and it wasn't a choice, but more of a survival obligation to comply with unimaginable fanaticism? We are talking about the first person you saw in this world, the person that made sure time and time again that she would be the one you would have to turn to any time things went south. The person that forced her constant presence in your life for 30 years without respecting that there would come a day where you would need to breathe alone. That person, for me, was my mother, or is my mother. Technically, she is still alive, although to me, she is dead. This is a person that made sure I never became too independent and got alarmingly mad at me for being able to fly alone without her moving my wings, as if I were a bird-shaped marionette. I understand the concept of a genuinely overbearing protective mother, but I cannot even partially accept a mother that does not accept her daughter to be an individual that is more than an extension of her existence, or a carpet for her to strut on. It pains me to the core to remember her smile, and not feel pure hate, as much as it pains me to the core to remember that her smile was never triggered by my success. How dare I do something great without her assistance? How dare I exist without praising the Lord for her uterus to have homed me for eight months? How dare I feel sadness when she insulted me daily? How dare I feel wrathful for every slap on my seven-year-old face that grew in size but did not become big enough to receive a proper slap, as she would say? I wish I were exaggerating, but I am not. She would joke about how my face was not a face fit for slaps, or a tête à claque, as we say in French. I was told I was so useless that even my face did not grow cheeks big enough to be slapped suitably. But that is not even the worst of it. I wish it was. Trust me, I do. It is difficult to find where to begin when speaking of my mother. Because every time I think about her... I see in double, the mother that she was when things were going her way, and the mother that she was the rest of the time. If only my way of existing did not clash with her uttermost desires, if only I had managed to become just a vacant shell, a flawless puppet that could adapt my every move to her every move and avoid the sheer disappointment of being a unique human my own person, her living daughter. She hated me. That is the truth. Don't try to convince me otherwise. Don't try to tell me she just worried. 
A mother can worry and not call her child daughter fat when she wears a small instead of an extra small. A mother can worry and not call her teenage daughter evil and therefore take away her 12 med a day prescription. A mother can worry and not call her baby daughter bratty and annoying because she cried at night or during the day. A protective mother will defend her daughter against everyone. She will not turn against her daughter if it means being in bad terms with someone she might need something from one day. A protective mother will not laugh out loud when someone bullies her 30-year-old daughter and tells her to shut up. A protective mother will not tell the hairdresser, the landlord, the neighbor that her 20-year-old daughter has mental issues and is unstable because she is stressed about her academic studies. A protective mother will not tell her she is exaggerating when her 12-year-old daughter lets her know about the constant belting, aggressions, and starvation her ex-husband put her through. My mother destroyed my sense of self and did not let me live. She raised me as if I were part of this cult of one where an additional participant remained in the sidelines, my stepfather, a person that, unlike my father, I grew to love more than fear, yet still ended up tremendously disappointed, because one that witnesses abuse and then chooses to corroborate with it is nothing more and nothing less than an abuser as well. From the moment I walked out and escaped, I know that there is no going back. Some people have told me that maybe one day my mother will reach out and we will speak again. I assure you, that is an utopia. I cannot unsee what I have seen. I cannot unlearn the stories I have learned. I cannot unlive the life I lived. It is sad, yet it is true. She told me several times from childhood until recently, before I left, that when she died, I should put in her grave, mother dead because of her daughter. And that is why, when the time comes, I will not attend her funeral. That is why I will not mourn her death. Because I have mourned her death already, from the moment I realized she was not the mother I needed. She never deserved that title. The death of my abusers will be a celebratory day for me. It will be a day where I can feel finally completely free. Their last day on earth will announce my first day on earth where I can breathe purified air. And no, if I went first, I can assure you they would not mourn me either. You don't wish death upon your teenage daughter and a few years later, when she is older, then a sudden parental love is born. Her motherly love did not appear at my birth, and it would not appear if I was gone before her. Her love would be towards any possessions she might legally inherit from me. It is one of the reasons I have feared my safety still. And no, I am not being cold nor cruel. I know what I went through. I know how both me and my cousin from France when visiting me in the United States, 
legitimately feared for our lives at 15 years old. Why? Because one day, my cousin and I were planning on pulling a childish prank on my mother and stepfather, and last minute, I gave up on the prank because I found it to be too stupid and ended up admitting to it because I was guilt-tripped for three hours locked in the kitchen by both of them. And you know what happened? The next day, I woke up to my mother's screams, calling me the greatest worthless piece of shit in the world, her biggest regret, the most disgusting person she had ever laid eyes on, and then I got locked in my bedroom for the whole day with my cousin as we cried and discussed how we could end ourselves to avoid more torment. And then you know what happened? My mother called us over to the outside porch at the end of the day, and in front of my stepfather and herself, forced us to drink a mixture of bleach, dishwasher, soap, and cereal. And we kept vomiting on our clothes, and my mother said that if we did not stop vomiting and did not drink our glasses till the end, we would be forced to eat our own vomit too. And as we drank, she smiled, and her greatest enabler, my stepfather, watched in awe as his dearest wife forced two minors to drink something that could have killed them then and there. Yet we survived. Do not ask me how, but we did. I am here to tell this story. But I remember the angst. I remember being barefoot in the porch and running out into the road on that town in Sayreville, New Jersey, towards the park, and my cousin coming up right behind me and telling me we were in trouble, and me telling her that I know, and her telling me, wait, we do not have our passports, how will we ever manage to find safety without our documents? She was right, and so we walked back to the house as I counted down the years until I became 18, naively believing that becoming 18 years old would signify independence. Little did I know. And after this little incident, on the next day, we were forced to go on a road trip to Niagara Falls, Canada. My cousin wanted her phone to call her mother, but my mother had confiscated both of our phones. We were miserable, and rightfully so. But during the ride, my mother kept turning to the backseat and reminding us that we better be on our best behavior, smile and be good girls, because we are going to stay at the Hilton Therefore, we should be thankful that they are taking us, especially after what we had done. That was the same week she had taken my meds. Two months before that, I had begun a psychiatric treatment for depression and anxiety, probably triggered by my unspoken childhood abuse. And by the skin treatment, my mother wanted me to get, to get rid of my acne. And so I was taking two pills three or four times a day. So she had taken my meds away, making me stop cold turkey, because according to her, wanting to pull a prank was evil, so I was evil, not depressed, or in need of psychological support. And so I sweated for so many nights, and felt physically ill, depersonalized, and like a walking cadaver, and the sudden cut-off of such heavy meds quickly wrecked my health, 
And now, 15 years later, I struggle with unbearable migraines, have autoimmune issues, chronic disease, and health scares that are unexplainable for a person my age. According to doctor reports and medical exams, these are most likely psychosomatic. In other words, a consequence of trauma. When I remember this, it feels like I am simultaneously back in that particular time of my life, yet so far away from it. I feel sadness, yet I feel strength. To survive such abuse, how strong and how lucky. But unfortunately, not all victims become survivors. Unfortunately, some end up halfway in their pursuit for survival or justice. I do not want to stop. I do not wish to give up on fighting for the justice we all deserve, victims included. As I become a survivor, I believe that I become partially responsible for speaking out and letting my voice be heard. Because my voice can be heard by someone who needs to hear this, by someone who might escape and survive. Although I have this anger in me that is sometimes asleep and sometimes awake, at the times when it awakens, I want it to let it be the fuel that pushes me into this path. It took me longer than I had expected to write this episode. I felt blocked and I could see my brain avoiding the time travel. But you are now listening to this, and that matters. It matters so much. I don't find myself to be a hero, nor do I wish that title upon myself. But if these testimonies can contribute to save a life, then I will not be stopped. I will no longer be silenced. On the next episode, I will begin discussing the previously mentioned manipulation tactics and share personal examples of how these were used in my upbringing. Thank you for listening to the Ego Next Door podcast. See you soon, and I hope you have a wonderful day. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to hear more, don't forget to like and subscribe to my YouTube channel at Ego Next Door. And if you would like to support my work, consider becoming a patron to my Patreon creator page at Jennifer Hachia. The Ego Next Door podcast is presented solely for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes. The content here is not intended to serve as a substitute for the consultation, diagnosis, or medical treatment of a qualified healthcare provider. Reliance on any information provided here is at your own risk. If you or someone you know is in crisis or experiencing suicidal thoughts, please reach out immediately to someone who can help right away. Call your national emergency services or go to the nearest hospital.